Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of A Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. Tis I, Adam the Artistic, son of Thomas the Terrible. And I'm Zach. <laughs> Zach, I'm you're a, supposed to... I'm you're a, what? I'm, I'm, a, I'm from... I'm from... Uh, what's the... What's the realm? What's the realm? Nardheim? Nope. Uh, nope. Oh, what's the one? What's the one that the that the that the golden boy is from? The the archer gun boy from Thor. Um, it's the one with the elves that aren't cool. Oh, fine. I'm forgetting. Is, uh, what is, is it? Elf? Am I thinking about? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. You could just I, be from Midgard. That's okay too. No, no. Vanaheim. <laughs> is it Vanaheim? I think it's Vanaheim. Anaheim, California. You got it. Yeah, I'm from Anaheim, I guess. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about Asgard today. We are talking about Asgard. I can't do that voice. That really does hurt. Oh man, I was uh, my my daughter wanted to play uh, like superheroes yesterday, so she was Wonder Woman. I had to be Batman, and like I destroyed my voice because um, doing yeah doing the Will Arnett Batman voice, which I can do, is not great for your voice. What, what you have to do is do the Diedrich Dater Batman voice. Because it's a lot more of the '60s with just a little bit of the growl to it. There you go. That's, I'll I'll try and emulate that next. Uh, yeah, Batman: right, so, Brave and the Bold is good, actually, guys. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, so we're going back to Asgard. I mean, I remember that one time we went to Asgard. It was great. It was several, several. It was in it was in the infant days of the podcast. Mm. <laughs> it was it was in the. The pre-good microphone days when we had bad mics, <laughs> the baby days, uh, and and we've been back to Asgard, uh, but it wasn't that great the second time. I don't um, remember when we went back. What did we do? Like an annual or something? I think when. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! With Charlie in the in the because we did the beach one. We did. Yeah. We did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one yeah. wasn't that great. Hey, we're closer to that one. <laughs> So uh, that one that has Guardian War here. Who's uh, uh, who's requesting this? This has been requested to us by Patreon supporter Remo Coghill. Remo went over to patreon.com slash battle of the atom and they tossed a couple of dollars our way so that we would talk about one of their favorite stories or maybe one of their least favorite stories. I'm not really clear when people make suggestions. I don't ask why. I just ask. And... Uh, they they wanted to talk about the New Mutants' return to Asgard, which, as we all know, comes from New Mutants 77 through 80. Then also Quite the 82. Creative, uh... Oh, go ahead. 82 to 85. And that's where we're cutting it off because they stay <laughs> in Asgard, but the story's mostly resolved at this point. Uh, and it keeps and going when, for like another five issues. <laughs> yeah, but that's when Liefeld and, and Cable come, so it's really just in the background. Um, quite the creative uh, roster of artists here on these issues, too. Yeah, there's a lot of people on these. Uh, 
written all the way through by Louise Simonson. Uh, and on pencils, you have Rich Buckler. You've got Rick Leonardi. You got Brett Blevins. You got Terry Shoemaker. And you got Jeff Isserwood. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, yeah, artistic inconsistency is not doing this very long story any favors. Would you agree? It's so long, Adam. I kept reading it and I kept going, they're they're not done yet? (laughs) This is three issues, right? Like this should be three issues long and it is, uh, what? How many issues is this? Uh, Eight? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's just where we cut it again. They stay in Asgard for a little bit more still, guys. We just we just said we're done here. Well, and we've commented on this before because this is coming out uh, almost right after Inferno. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it I, starts with the cleanup from Inferno with giving the baby Ilana to her family. Yeah, and and the exterminators have joined the team, so we have uh, we have some of the X Factor cast joining, right? Boom, boom, um, Richter, Rusty, and Skids who immediately get written out. <laughs> Rusty uh, and Skids get two issues, and Wheezy's like, "No, nah, this cast is too big. You guys are gone." Peace. Here's Freedom Force. You're getting arrested and appearing on random pages throughout the rest of the story, one page Rusty, at a we'll- time. We'll kill you in like six years and no one will care. It's fine. <laughs> oh, poor Rusty. Um, he deserved it. But go on. Yeah. I mean, I, and I know we mentioned this on a, on a past episode when we covered uh, Simonson's Judgment War. Because mm-hmm. that was another story that was coming out at the same time as this. And Plot is points overlap on these. Also... Very long story about a cast going to a foreign land and getting stuck there and getting involved in internal politics there. Like, I feel like it's, at this point, uh, and God bless Luis, I, I love her work. And there's some really fun stuff in here, which we're going to get to. Luis Simonson, Eisner, Hall of Fame inductee, and everyone's favorite grandma, Luis Simonson, who we do love. I love Luis Simonson. I just love think Louise that Simonson. the title is it's losing steam at this point. Uh, I think there's a reason that the editorial uh, staff was looking for some, some fire, you know? Um, And that's probably why Rob got involved. Listen, part of it seems like Claremont's whole story about the X-Men not really being a team anymore. Doesn't really work. If all of the mutants are still on earth, Mm -hmm. part of it seems like it might be a little bit of that. And the other part of it, is that oh yeah this this just goes on for too long and i know in publication it was coming out a little quicker because this is at the time when marvel shifted some publication things so like every issue had a double issue that month Mm -hmm. uh or for a couple of months that does not decrease the page count and no it's uh, a lot yeah it's a lot Uh, and we and we're skipping the fill-in yeah, we didn't even talk about what this is about because this is Danny, uh, you know, kind of going evil um, and being. Hey, hey, Adam, on a scale, <laughs> on a scale of a robot to like a <laughs> a god, how much agency does Danny Moonstar have in this story? Not a lot. Not a lot. She's basically like a fire. Does she make a skeleton. single decision? <laughs> 
I, I don't know. It's very Silver Age in a lot of ways. Like, Danny gets sent back to Asgard with New Mutants by the astral form of Doctor Strange. Yeah, Dr. Steven Sanders, as this calls it. <laughs> that sounds wrong, Marvel Wikia. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, because he's dead, or he's pretending to be dead. And something. Who, I don't who even cares? Why is he there? Um, and then when they get to Asgard, they spend a lot of it imprisoned. Um, they keep no... getting imprisoned. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, the... I, I get it. But this is this is a D&D adventure where the party keeps getting railroaded into, no, you have to watch this really cool thing that I, the DM, have written <laughs> for you. And you have to see all the world building that I've done. And isn't this so cool? Look at this magic sword that I have decided to, you know, put into this quest and that you guys are going to watch as all of my player characters sit around in chains and all my NPCs do all the fun adventuring stuff. That is a, a very good description because things seem to be happening around and to, as opposed to by the new mutants, right? Except. Ah, but except the best character in this book, new <laughs> character to this specific boo book. Uh, it's Tabitha Smith. It's boom, boom. And she's, Great. Utterly delightful. She does not want to be here. Nope. She has no time for these shenanigans. Mm -mm. And she is going to blow up everything that bothers her. (laughs) Well, that's what I love, (coughs) excuse me, about this era is that, like, if you were following her from X Factor, she was kind of an antagonist to Beast and Iceman. Then she gets dragged into Inferno, and now she's getting dragged to Asgard. She's just totally ticked off and is going to solve all of her problems by, like, yelling at people and trying to blow things up with her bombs. And especially illustrated by Brett Blevins, she's just mm-hmm. a delight. She is the the best part of this. So if you are a Boom Boom fan, you definitely should seek this out and and read all of her scene work because uh, Simonson is doing such a great job, uh, like demonstrating why that character is so special. There's great stuff with Boom Boom, uh, her relationship with the whole team and Richter specifically, who's kind of her last remaining friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's on this new team and she gravitates towards Richter because he's the only person that she really knows there. And that's like relatable. It's also annoying to watch because the rest of this is bad and no one does anything. Yeah. Like the new mutants talk about, Hey, remember that last time we were in Asgard and it was great. Mm-hmm. And then they don't do anything except for, I guess, get all of the armies of the nine realms to go fight Hela. Which sounds like it should be more epic than it is, but it's, it's not. Because it's not. Yeah, like, but when it, it's very anticlimactic, and um, really, the only callback, the major callback from the first series, is obviously Danny being a Valkyrie. But then um, Sam's relationship with um, is it Etri? Who's the Etri? Um, yeah, the Etri, played by Peter Dinklage in the major motion <laughs> right. picture right. adventures. <laughs> Yeah, which Etri from still Avengers, the me. movie everyone watched. <laughs> that <laughs> Etri, delightful. Um, uh, 
Here's the and, thing. And Etri, yeah, Etri gets a bigger arc in this mm-hmm. than Cannonball. Etri yep. gets a bigger arc than Sunspot. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know who gets a bigger arc than Rain? Uh, her future husband. <laughs> oh, are you talking about Krim Hari, the Wolf Prince? Yeah, him too. Yeah, Krim Hari gets a lot of scene time here. And it's, I was thinking of T-Waz. I was thinking of T-Waz. Oh. <laughs> you know, the firstborn of the Asir. Yeah, I, I, it, it really is very difficult to understand why the characters are, are being put through this elongated uh, trial of just kind of like sitting around uh, as things happen around him. I love Brett Blevins. I think that his work here is fantastic. If they could have compressed this story down to the same page count as the original Asgard Wars um, and just had Blevins consistently do, let's say maybe three or four issues and like really tighten this story up. So it was a little bit more interesting. I probably would have really enjoyed it. Um, Unfortunately, it's twice that long and the other artists don't, don't really. And and it's not that they're bad artists. They're, they're good. They just don't have a lot to do. No, they get nothing. Mm -mm. Even like there's a big battle scene in the last issue of this. And it's a big double page spread, but it's laid out like a where's Waldo more than any sort of like epic action it's busy it's not exciting yes yes Uh, i think that's a very good description for you know also what i i feel like we're treading water here a little bit you know what i mean um like we're waiting for whatever the next thing is going to be and uh that doesn't happen until this story is over it doesn't. Uh, but what is going to happen now that this story is over is that we're going to rank it on our big old list of all the X-Men stories of all time. Do you know how many stories we've ranked, Adam? Man, uh, we're almost to 400. We're on the road to 400, all right. Uh, we're at 396. Wow. Uh, the number one story is the Dark Phoenix Saga. It's the darkest of all those Phoenix Sagas. So dark. Uh, number 100 is the Nasty Boys arc from X-Factor. <laughs> Uh, number 200 is X-Men Origins Jean Grey, number one. Number 300 is X-Men Colossus Bloodline. That's the one where Colossus gets revealed to be uh, related to Rasputin. That Rasputin? The one and only. Uh, the Mad Monk himself. Uh, and then <laughs> 396 is the Draco, which is bad. Hey, where's Judgment War? Judgment where's War. Judgment War on this list? That's Judgment the one we need to War look is at. it? 311 on our list uh better Don't or worse for than, it ju- better or worse than judgment war what do you think it's like on the exact same level i'm gonna say i'm gonna say worse because mm, it is uh it is longer than judgment war it's judgment longer than war, judgment war is six issues, or is that right? 43, 44, 45, 46, 48, 49, 50. It's seven. Mm. It's, it's one issue shorter. <laughs> so maybe Judgment War gets the, uh, the advantage because it's here's a little bit where, shorter. Here's where I'm stuck. Yeah. In general, I think Judgment War looks better, and at least Judgment War does something with the cast. I don't that care about it. 
but yeah. it actually uses the cast. Yes. On the other hand, I like Boom Boom a lot. And I, that's a... Yeah, I do too, but I, I, I do agree. love Tabby. I think the, uh, at least what happens with Ship is more consequential in Judgment War. Um, and the art is more consistent on Judgment War. So... Despite my love of Brett Blevins and Boom Boom, I think I would put Judgment War ahead of it. How do you feel about this compared to uh, a story that we did recently, Uncanny X-Men Annual Number 8, The Adventures of Lockheed the Space Dragon and his pet girl Kitty? I like it. I like it better than that. That it was very flat. Um, and I think that this has enough interesting character work in it that I I'd probably revisit individual issues of this than that particular annual. I'm not putting it above the Legion story from New Mutants, Volume 3. No. 314. So So this this can be 315? Sounds good. I think that's a good place to put it. The New Mutants. It's the Asgardian song that never ends. (laughs) Yeah, that that one's a doozy. Um, But there's been more recent Asgardian returns, have there not? There have been. T-Waz is not in any of these. No. Uh, but, uh, his son, Bor is. Oh, boy. Oh, Bor. You sure are. <laughs> wow. You know, you know Bor. He's, uh, he's, uh, Odin's father. He's Thor's yeah. grandfather. And he has, uh, really possessive views about women. Oh. Uh, which is fun. Sure. There's, there's some, yeah, we should. Should we tell them what this is before we start getting into what it is? We're going to talk about uh, Exiled, a crossover between Journey into Mystery and The New Mutants. Uh, it's written by a uh, both of those teams kind of combined. Kieran Gillen from the Journey into Mystery side. Uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Landing uh, from the New Mutants side uh, with art by Carmen D.G. Monaco. Mm-hmm. Um... um I want to preface this by saying I think that Kieran Gillen's Journey into Mystery in general is pretty good. And I love his Loki. And it's that's really nice. And if, like, you read his Young Avengers and thought that was neat, you'll probably really like his Journey into Mystery. Uh, this crossover is probably not the best part of it. Oh, man. But it is the part with X-Men in it. Th- this was what was... I have not read Gillen's uh, Journey into Mystery. Oh, um, it's good. It rules. I'm, I'm going to have to take your word for it because this crossover is very bad. And I do not like the way it is written. I do not like what it looks like. And um, maybe we should talk a little bit about uh, the the basic premise of this, which revolves around both the what what are these ladies? The Desir, <laughs> who are the uh, supposedly cannibalistic uh slave wife soldiers of boar and they were they were boars valkyries right uh and they were cursed because they had uh instead of shepherding people or you know fallen warriors into valhalla had become began feeding on them uh and boar cursed them well it turns out they weren't doing that no they weren't doing a cannibalism nope uh different kind of flesh (laughs) Yep, they were they were they were eating some different flesh, uh, and Boar, being a very jealous god, 
did not like that. Uh, even though there are, I don't know, 11 <laughs> of these women. That is correct. Uh, no reason that they should all have been faithful uh, to him. That is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, it's, it is weird. It's weird in the ways that things from, like, mythology and folklore are weird, but we just accept them as, like, yeah, that's a thing from it. <laughs> Which I think is part of what Gillen, Gillen plays with the structure of stories in challenging those things a lot. Not just in Journey into Mystery, uh, but in a lot of his other stuff, including uh, the recent uh, Once in Future, plays a lot with the same kind of concepts. Hey, so I... I'll... I'll give him credit. That little twist is probably the uh, single thing that I was like, oh, that's kind of clever. Okay. Uh, because these poor Desir have been not only sentenced to like a life of, of zombie existence, but now where they, they are, get traded between different hell lords. Yeah. They're like, uh, they're, they're, they're the slaves to Mephisto in this story as well. Yeah, Mephisto, you're talking about you're talking about Magma's boyfriend, right? Yes, I believe they have gone on one date prior to this particular crossover. It's bad. Okay, hey guys, hey, the DNA run of New Mutants is not great, um, but there's a guy. He lives across from the New Mutants in San Francisco. His name's Sigurd. Uh, he's the first the first warrior. Uh, also, very says good. some real uh, real. <laughs> misogynistic uh views on women and using them uh he's not yeah, great he's a he's bad he's bad in this he's very afraid that the deceiver are going to get him uh and anyway he does a he does a curse that turns all of the asgardians who have shown up like thor in the warriors three and loki and you know hella uh, turns them into uh, just regular humans without any memory of being Asgardians. Yep, there uh, there's an adventures and babysitting joke about uh, Thor being a mechanic, which uh, for those of you who are Vincent D'Onofrio fans will love. Um, Good, because I did not understand that joke. <laughs> oh, you've never seen the original Elizabeth Shue Adventures in Babysitting? There's a I'll do this very quickly. There's there's a young girl and character in the film who's obsessed with Thor. When they end up lost in New York, they end up meeting a mechanic who is played by Vincent D'Onofrio and is dressed exactly like how Thor is dressed here and basically indicates to the kid that he is indeed Thor. Um, so that's that joke. Go back and watch that movie. I won't. Maybe it hasn't aged well. I haven't seen it, it since I was like a teenager. Um, it doesn't and- sound great. <laughs> Loki was a ch- Loki's a child now. He's a kid uh, named Luke no who likes to play D and D. Was like it just part... me or was? Yeah, go ahead. No, you. I want you to say your thing first because I have. I was gonna say, to say. Do you do you, do you agree that perhaps the curse in its introduction is done poorly? In that, when we get to meet all of these characters. There's no real indication of like, I I just don't know like that it was a curse. It, it just it's not... it doesn't seem to be transitioned very well. So you get introduced to these characters and 
Uh, so I, I think it was easier for me because I, I had read this before, so I knew what was going to happen. So okay. I knew to look out for, hey, that's probably Fandral the Dashing. <laughs> well, I, I mean, when he shows up next to Thor in the garage, you're like, oh, okay, that's that's Warriors 3 I guy. I get it now, uh, yes. You know, uh, what's his name is the baker, you know, how is the, the deformed talk, mom? Talk about Volstagg? Um, yeah, like you, you can, you can recognize these characters, but like why they've been made into this alternate universe is unclear to me. Still, is there yeah, really a purpose to this? It's so Sigurd can get away from the Desir who he did accidentally, definitely seduce into uh, being cursed for all of eternity. Um, there's stuff I like in this. I like Loki in this. I like Lil' Kid Loki. I like that Lil' Kid Loki is told that, oh, you're actually Loki by the New Mutants, and he plays along with it. They're like, I'm not really Loki. I thought we were all playing pretend. Why did you think this curse I was going to do was going to work? I'm just a kid named Luke who likes D&D. Let's roll for initiative, baby. Uh, I like that. The rest of this, eh, not great. Leah's not in this a lot lot and leah is the best uh character from this run who's not loki so that said the new mutants don't do anything also in five issues right oh they're incredibly boring i don't know what the heck is going on with warlock like he's wearing a hoodie. oh warlock gets a puppy warlock does get he a does, puppy he does get a puppy but what is going on with his design here it is very he's strange. hiding He's Cypher can San read. Cipher can read the language of reality. That's not a thing, Cipher. Shut up. Hey, hey, this is the, this is the part where Cipher had come back to life, and no one knew what to do with him. <laughs> so they made him read body language, which meant he was obviously good at karate. Oh my god! And able to read all languages, so he was good at all things. Um. And everything is a type of language when you really think about it, isn't it, Adam? I guess. Cypher's not great here. Uh, who else is on this team? Uh, we've got Danny. We've got Sunspot. We have Magma, as we mentioned before. And... Uh, <laughs> Could it be? It's an X-Man update. It's an X-Man update. X-Man is on Nate this Gray, team. Nate Gray's here. He's worthless. He says like three lines of this whole story. It's weird that he's here. It's very strange. He also seems to have some, you know, some reality sensing abilities, but he does nothing. He he had recently been severely depowered because the Sugar Man attached him to a machine for several years. Gotta love that sugar man doing the I work. I do love the, I do love the sugar man. <laughs> do love the sugar man. Um, the sugar man should be a bad guy from like a cereal box, right? Like, <laughs> he's like, basically like a very large like piece of tricks. The sugar fit. man is. <laughs> no, hear me out. Hear me out. Shut up. I figured him out. Oh, all right. Go for it. Sugar man is the personification of plaque in, like, a children's PSA about brushing your teeth. <laughs> He's 100% that. He's like, gotta get that sugar off. Oh, my it's God. gonna rot great. your gums. That's great. I can totally see that. Um, oh. They hand them out in elementary schools in the 80s. That have been great. Um, We're solving the sugar man, folks. It's been so many years. <sighs> I, I think my distaste with this story is is that, you know, large parts of it are just about, like, 
conquering and hey it's a good thing that these these misogynistic characters are getting conquered but we also have to spend time with them and we're not really spending time with any of the actual heroes because none of them remember who they are for the most part and yeah. they, and the ones who do don't get to do much we're walking around with kid loki who's pretending he's loki because he's he likes to pretend um and it again this this could have been like three issues and it's what like seven it's like five it's five it feels too long like it does not feel entertaining at all i can i can understand that i think i think it ends on a high note which i like uh the deceer uh just they they get their curse removed from them uh which is good boar admits that maybe he was a Maybe he was a dirtbag by cursing them. <laughs> and then they go get Sigurd and they say, hey, Sigurd, you screw up. We'll cut off those family jewels. And that's refreshing to see at the end. Sure. I, I just like, I don't want to spend any more time with Sigurd than I have to. He's not like the kind Sigurd of villain. ever shows up. I don't know. It's just not interesting to me. <laughs> and, um, I, I know he was that... in Civil War too. Okay, that I'm sorry, doesn't... I just did not expect him to be that... in Civil War too. Oh that yeah, he's a big part of exciting. Loki, Agent of Asgard. Oh yeah, <laughs> hey Loki, hey. Agent of Asgard was good though. That's that's Al Ewing. That well, that also slaps. I I was not feeling the art. I was not feeling the writing, and I think we should rank this. <laughs> Is this better than the New Mutant story? Uh, I no, I don't think so. I mean, there's stuff that I enjoyed in the New Mutant story that I don't know what I enjoyed here. I didn't enjoy much. I think this is better than number 345 on our list, which is Fall of the Mutants from New Mutants, which is the one where Doug gets shot. Sure. Yeah, I can get behind that. Um, or 324. I don't know why I just did numbers mixed up yeah uh let's see better or worse than exiles in 100 probably better it's probably worse than 319 just a couple of spots up uh x-men second coming revelations hellbound i would agree with that i think that that's so this would be our new 320 yeah we'll put it above the search for cyclops great search for cyclops is also bad in different ways <laughs> man we should talk about good stories soon adam can we do a good one well, we've yeah, done... I th- we've got a good one to finish off with here. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're we're staying in Asgard. In fact, we're going to stay a little bit more Asgard uh, than you might expect. But we want to do it because it's our podcast, and you can't stop us. I mean, this is a very reasonable uh, X Men crossover, so it's not like. And honestly, they have a pause button. They could stop us at any time. <laughs> no one's going to want to stop us because this is The Mighty Thor by Jason Aaron and Russell Dodderman. And you're going, wait a minute, that's a Thor book. What are you talking about? But uh, this is that great story where the Shi'ar go up against uh, Asgard. Are you talking (laughs) about the Asgard-Shi'ar war? Yes, I am. It is uh, Thor versus the Shi'ar gods. Um, When you you say the Shi'ar gods, are you talking about Shara and Kithiri? I sure am. They are uh, super, super bright. They're they are like very neon, bright. Neon lights. 
Yeah, let's start uh, with saying that Russell Donovan is incredibly good at art, and Matthew Wilson is a phenomenal colorist every time he's paired with him. I like Matthew Wilson in general, but his art really shines uh, when it's on top of Donovan's inks. Uh, it's unbelievable how good the artwork is in this series, and... I just realized I have two Russell Donnerman posters right next to each other, and I did not remember it. Adam, I, see, they're right there. They're right there. Yeah, it's Russell Donnerman. Yeah. That one's Matt Wilson, too. I cannot fathom how Donnerman does what it is that he does in any of his work. It is just so graceful. It is so detail-oriented. Um, the lines the, are incredibly tight. The, the the panel layouts have so much action and so much uh, rhythm to them. You know, the way he guides your eye around the page and across double page spreads is just, I, I just feel like he is so far ahead of so many other artists that it's just unfair, you know? Remember, um, remember, the, remember when he did three issues of a Cyclops solo series and they immediately said, hey, stop the presses. This guy's super good. You're you're doing our new Thor relaunch now. You're doing Thor. By the way, Thor's Jane Foster here. Yes. Uh, and Jane Foster um, in, in this particular version of Thor, if you've never read it, is, um, is dying of cancer. And um, so, you know, while she is Thoring, it's also killing her. Um, yeah. Which presents a bit of a problem when you're supposed to be doing both things at this when you're supposed to be doing chemotherapy and being thor at the same time um it's a it's, it's a rough one it's an amazing setup uh that aaron has has done here i love the aaron thor run um i want to say i want to say it's unquestionably the second best thor run and there's people who could make a reasonable argument that it's the best Thor run, even if I would not personally make that argument. I think you could uh, you could make a definitive argument of of Daughterman versus Simonson, um, but we're we're comparing apples and oranges in terms of style, and uh, you know a, a classic story versus a new classic. So it, it's difficult, but it is. It is very reasonable to say that this is like technically just a a marvel. It is absolutely I love amazing this whole to look run. at. And we're starting this story with <laughs> Heimdall getting clocked uh, by none other than Gladiator, right in the shot. Yeah, Gladiator from the of the Shi'ar. Yeah, he rules. Uh, Kalark is on a dark mission though, uh, because. Uh, the gods of the Shi'ar have awoken. Uh, that is uh, Shar and Kathiri. Uh, they're 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 very bright birds, and you know what? They want they want everyone to worship them because the Shi'ar Empire is an empire, and that's bad. Right, <laughs> like, right. I the Shi'ar are a lot of fun politically, pretty horrible. Um, in every, every sense of it, uh, with the colonizing and the taking over of other people's cultures and all of that is bad actually. Um, but Gladiator's a lot of fun and he, uh, he does get Thor to come, uh, in front of Shiar and Kith- or Shiar and Kithiri, uh, and they have a God off. God off. Here we yeah, go. Uh, Shadrach, 
Um, <laughs> Shadrach's here. You, do you know about Shadrach? The, the, the multi-eyed green guy? Yeah, Shadrach, the god of bombs and fireballs, the god of wine and waterfalls, the god of songs and somersaults, the god of baubles and ballerinas, the god of kittens and coconuts, the god of pancakes and tamarines, the god of <laughs> daffodils and documentation, the god of incense and incineration. Do you, do you know about uh, Shadrach? Not before this story, but he's there to adjudicate. Uh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on! <laughs> Adam, have you not read the god butcher oh he is in that yeah you're right yeah okay he's from the god butcher yeah okay in the Sorry. god bomb he builds the god bomb yeah 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 i th- he's very Don't different go read in this the god story. bomb it's been a while since i read that story i'm sorry hey you should reread the god bomb asad arabic <laughs> does the art it rules i remember that being very good um and here he's adjudicating this like old testament level of you know the the shiar gods are going to go on this like absolute tour of like genesis job um you know we're gonna throw some plagues out there and uh, thor is just mystified by why she is trying why she needs to save the shiar people from their own gods who are making their people suffer yes uh aaron we've talked about this on the show Aaron did not love Sunday school. Oh, uh, no. J- Jason Aaron, in his his entire body of work, has a lot of feelings about what God as a concept or gods as a concept should be. And he lets a lot of it out on the page here because uh, he really doesn't does not like an idea of gods sending plagues and... Uh, just torment and doing it specifically in this story for their own amusement and to prove a point to a different god, mm-hmm. which is something that uh, comes up a reasonable amount uh, <laughs> in a reasonable amount in like Exodus or let's say Judges. Sure. Uh, it happens more than once in Bible. Uh, so I yeah. understand where he's coming from here. I would also challenge that his assessments of, hey, wait, maybe a good God should just like be like good and nice to literally everyone. Um, that That's not as radical of a statement as I think he thinks it is. <laughs> because he makes this multiple times in his Thor run of what if God was just great? That would be a good God to worship. And yeah, dude, we, we agree. <laughs> and I, I feel like, I feel like Aaron tends to take a very large hammer and hit that one point. Like no one is listening or agreeing with him when no one is disagreeing that point. Which yeah. is odd to me personally. Look, hey, we're going to get another one of those reviews, aren't we? Probably, probably. But yeah. it, it it does make sense with this particular story. I mean, as I'm reading it and the way that Aaron plays some of these little uh, vignettes for jokes in the competition, um, it, it really does have that, like, I'm a college or I'm a high school college guy who just decided 
that I am rejecting Christianity. I'm going to get into he's, atheism and I got to tell the going, world, he's baby. He's going through his and, he's going through his new atheism stage. Yes. And folks, I know about this because uh I I feel like I was that guy, you know? Like I was in high school going like God is dead to whoever would listen and um you know, you, you, like there's no subtlety here. However, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to defend this. It's pretty funny. It's got some, some good gags. He does some a very good, good job with the gags here. And uh, more importantly, I think, than us dwelling on that particular aspect of the story, this is also a really great Wolverine in the X-Men reunion. Because it is that. We that, get, part's, that part's also very yeah, good. Yeah, we get Kid Gladiator. I feel, I feel like we get Kid Gladiator's here. Yeah. Warbird's here. Um, Most importantly, who do we have? Quentin Quire. Quentin Quire, Quire is here. That's right. Because, um, so after uh, uh, Shara and Kathiri find out that they have lost the god off, because not that not that Thor won any of the real contests. No. But, but very Harry Potter like, Thor did win the secret contest that gets all the points at the end <laughs> of being being a nice person that people like and inspiring other gods to fight for her. Uh, Shadrach says this is the first time that this happens ever, and I'm going to go ahead and call shenanigans on that one, because there was literally, literally a Marvel comic called The God Squad, where the gods all teamed up to help out each other. So it, I'm up. It doesn't matter. Shadrach, you're, Shad, I'm just, I'm just saying, if, if this is the point that Aaron's trying to make, Come on, you gotta you gotta play in the sandbox here. He's he's very clearly not happy with these Shi'ar gods. They are very jerky. The ones he and, made up, you the, know, the gods he made up. Yes, yes. Uh, so I I do they, love that the the resolution of this story does involve tracking down Quentin, who is just chilling on Krakoa in the middle of the ocean. We gotta make we gotta make two very tight clarifications here. One. Yeah. This is Krakoa, the Krakoa that was the X-Men's lawn, not the good right. sex island they all live on. Different Two, Krakoa. We don't know that, is the thing. <laughs> we know well. that it's it's not Krakoa the nation state at this point. <laughs> we do yes. not know. Could they, be, could they be the same Krakoa? Y- yes. We I don't, don't think we've we, heard There's so many otherwise. Krakoa questions that we need to address. Yeah, the this is thing, the silly Krakoa. He's silly. Yes, let's say that. The <laughs> second thing we need to address is that Quentin Quire is needed because after they lose the god off, uh, Shara and Kathiri, uh I don't want to explain this wrong, but they have sex to summon the Phoenix Force. More or less. They, 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 they do. They, they burn with the passion... Phoenix. In an embrace, burn and just yes. in a, a deep, passionate embrace with each other, and they summon Falcon, the World Destroyer, also known as the Phoenix Force, one of the Shi'ar gods, the secret third Shi'ar god. And yes, so the fact that Quentin and Battle of the Atom possessed the Phoenix Force in the future is the reason and... that they go and get Quentin. <laughs> Which, which is of itself a callback to Here Comes Tomorrow from Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quentin does have to absorb a part of the Phoenix 
Uh, and Thor uh, has to try and stop it. All of Asgard and actually even the Shi'ar Imperium, led by uh, Kalark the Gladiator and others, go up against the Phoenix because they've all decided, well, this is bad news. <laughs> For sure. Um, and then, wouldn't you know it, fresh out of his book, uh, Thor Odinson... He does come with his good axe, and at the last minute, be like, "Hey, Jane, I brought I brought an axe. Uh, can I fight this bird too? It used to make out with my dad, I think." Oh my god! It's anyway, they they fight it. Quentin gets a small part of the phoenix inside of him uh, that they didn't tell the writer of Generation X, who was writing Phoenix at the time, or writing Quentin about. Uh, so they had to resolve that real quick. It's okay. Led to Jubilee getting her powers back. Very happy. Did. Jubilee did not have to enter the crucible, so that's, that's right. nice. That's right, and this is how that get that's this is how that little uh, little trick got accomplished, which is great. It is great. Um, I like the fight. It it seeds a lot of stuff for later in the run. Uh, it it unleashes uh, the world destroyer mm. or the the god killer. Yes. Uh, uh, Mangog. Mangog. The end of all things. Mm-hmm. Uh. In in a uh, ending that uh, Valerio Shidi uh, does the art on the last few pages of this, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably the best. The death of Thor is probably the best arc of the Dodderman. Probably the best Dodderman arc. So that's cool to see that set up. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, it's a very good arc. I, I enjoyed this story quite a bit. It is uh, funny. I think that you're absolutely right that he's kind of like hammering the 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 atheism angle a little bit hard but i'm nitpicking because jason aaron does it in everything yes if he only did it here if he only did it here but he has more than one creator owned book that's only about this topic (laughs) it's like yeah man it's it's definitely expand your horizons uh, where his mind's at he's still doing it is the thing it's three years later (laughs) and he's still doing it and this was old when he was doing it in this one. So it's like, come on, please write about something else. Or at least yeah. write about it a bit deeper and with more nuance uh, so that you can make different points that people don't all agree with. I generally really like this story. I do own all of the Aaron Thor except for King Thor because it wasn't out in trades when I did my last big purchase of stuff. Uh, so the last arc is the only thing that I don't have of Aaron's Thor because I think it rules. I love it so much. And this is one of my favorite arcs within Aaron's Thor run. So we should rank this because I feel like I have to defend my opinion of I do really like it, even if there's some things I don't love. <laughs> no, I think it's really good. Um, I think it's comparable to another sort of wild card story that we've included um, on the show in the past, and that would be Chip Zdarsky's Howard the Duck, eight to eleven. Um, this is better than Howard the Duck. I, I think it is too. Um, but I it's think also more of an X Men story than Howard the Duck. Yeah, is. but that's a good starting point, and that would put it. We have not had a story in the top one hundred in a while. So how I'm not in a spell? How high is this going to go? I think it's better than number seventy six, X Men Alpha Flight, which is another Asgardian. Story. I would I would agree. Um, I mean, I love that story, but I cannot like undersell how great Dodderman's art is. Um, how would you put it? I, I don't know if I could go above the Jungle Adventure at seventy. What do you think about that? I think the Jungle Adventure is better. Um, at 
at 72 is Ultimate X-Men World Tour. And I am willing to say that this is better than Ultimate X-Men World Tour. You're breaking my heart with 71 is the thing. <laughs> uh... You're absolutely destroying me with 71, which is Age of X-Men Next, Next Gen. Gen. Yep. A, a story with Glob Herman, who's right here, and Maggot, who's right here, and they do a fight in the Age of X-Men, who's on a blanket that... I feel like got memed into existence. <laughs> so I've got some weirdly complicated feelings about that story, even though I can probably say that this is better than that. It, it is. hurts me to do so. It, it is. is. It's, it's better. It's better. No, nothing against Marcus Toe or Ed Brisson. They're in the top 100. Yep. Um, yeah, fine. Come this on. 71. It is. I just, I want, I just want good things for Glob. <laughs> Look, Glob can still be good, and this can still be better than that story, and it is. I just, I just want good things for my big pink boy. <laughs> so this is our new seventy-one. Congratulations! This is our new seventy-one. Hey, that was a fun one. We that, that we haven't good. done a fun ranking one in a while. I don't think. Well, yeah. Next time we should just do a fun one. <laughs> um, well, who do we have to thank for all this fun? Uh, again, our Patreon supporter this week was Remo Coghill. Remo went over to patreon.com slash battle the atom and did throw some money our way uh, to help us out with the administrative costs that go into running this podcasting endeavor, this whole thing that we've got going on. If you want to be like Remo, you can do the same thing at that URL or you can, uh, you can go at a different level. And get some really special treats. Like at the $5 a month level, you get early access to the show whenever I'm done editing it. Because <laughs> I'm only putting it up once. So the moment I upload it to our actual server to schedule is the time that I'm going to put it up on Patreon for y'all too. It's exciting. Uh, you get to, at certain levels, vote on other stories that we might cover. Uh, like Asgard Shi'ar War. That was someone saying, hey, y'all should talk about this. And I said, yep. <laughs> Stealing it. That person was correct. That was right. They were abs. They 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 won our prize, and the prize was us talking about <laughs> it. Uh, there's other stuff too. It's great. It's a good place to go. Uh, if you like that whole vibe, it's a good Patreon. I like to think so. Mm-hmm. Also, unrelated to that Patreon, uh, you can get all the latest and greatest about uh, Battle of the Atom or the X Men in general at XavierFiles.com. We've got a lot of news. We've got a lot of reviews. Uh, we got we got stuff there. Um, also on Twitter at Xavier Files. Hey Adam, what's up? Guys, Adam, can always, Adam, what's up? <laughs> you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. And uh, we've got next week a, a havoc centric episode. It looks like. Yeah, we are going to uh, we are going to let sip the dogs of war uh, next episode. <laughs> And it's going to be fun. Uh, but yeah. until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!